podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. So, so John, I guess to get started here, why don't we just talk about how you got your start, you know, in sports media, you know, what got you interested in it, you know, and why don't you take us through your career path a bit, you know, from where you've been and what you're up to now. Sure. Well, thanks for giving me that opportunity. Um, I've always lived, I've always lived in Massachusetts to this day. I live uh, just North of Enfield in Massachusetts up near Springfield. So uh, dating back uh, to some boyhood, uh, you know, big Boston sports fan across the board and, uh, you know, the Red Sox probably leading the way. And used to be one of these things where I would, I would try to, I, you know, drive my family nuts by doing the, turning down the volume, like a lot of kids wouldn't doing the you know, play by play. Um, and that just turned into wanting to go to the Syracuse University more than anywhere else because I'd heard so much about the Newhouse School of Communications and the long list of uh, distinguished alums, that, uh, particularly sports broadcasters that had come out of Syracuse and Newhouse. And that was the only school I applied to out of high school. I was fortunate to get in and uh, attended Syracuse in the early 90s. And that was a wonderful experience to be part of uh, the Newhouse School and student radio and be around Division One sports and have a chance to travel as part of the student radio team. And then fortunately from there, I've, I've always been lucky enough to just work in New England at various uh, radio stations, but primarily television stations uh, in, in Worcester, Massachusetts. Then I worked as the, before they start, started uh, sort of hiring and possibly <laughs> gorgeous, good-looking women to be the sideline reporters, I was the sideline reporter for Red Sox broadcast in 97 and 98 with uh, Jerry Remy and Sean McDonough. When uh, ha- half the games used to be on uh, free TV, they weren't all on nothing. And there was a station out of Boston. It sounds like a funny channel number, but Channel 68. It was owned by Boston University. It was all staffed by professionals, but it was owned by BU. And I was uh, one of the sideline reporters and pregame hosts for uh, pregame reporters, I should say, for Red Sox baseball. And I worked a couple other places in the Boston market and then eventually ended up at WFSB in Hartford back uh, almost yeah, 20 years ago. 20 years ago this fall was the first time I was on Channel 3 as sort of a fill-in. And then worked full time at Channel Three from uh, 2003 to 2000, the end of 2016, and enjoyed that experience. I've really come to, to love Connecticut. I, I just live one town over the border, but have great appreciation for Connecticut and the, the diversity. The fan base is divided between Boston and New York, and the great sports uh, sports followings, of course, led by UConn. And having had a chance to cover the men at a couple Final Fours, and also been to a Super Bowl covering the Patriots for Channel Three. I tell people that uh, it beats a real job. I've been fortunate to do that for years. And, and most recently, uh, I've been producing some documentaries for Connecticut Public Television, uh, non-sports documentaries the last two years, which has really helped me spread my wings. And then back in October, I took a full-time job as, for lack of a better way to describe it, as sort of the in-house video storyteller for the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference, the, the CIAC, CAS CIAC, the Connecticut Association of Schools in Cheshire, uh, that you know governs high school sports. And that's been very rewarding. Yeah, so so one thing that that I'm interested in is you know you talk about growing up as a big Boston sports fan, and I think you got to live the dream there for a couple of years, uh, doing mm-hmm. work for the Red Sox. What was that like getting to uh, you know work for that team that you grew up watching and, and being a fan of? Well, that was a, that was a great thrill. I'm not sure I fully appreciated it at the time. Uh, I was 25 when I got that job in '97, uh, and um, yeah, you, you kind of think you're on this fast track. Who knows where you're going and uh, that was probably one of the highlights of my career. I remember in 19, was it the 98 season opener, the, 
the Sox rallied from like six or seven runs down in the bottom of the ninth to beat Seattle at Fenway. And it was a walk-off home run from Mo Vaughn that did the trick. And back in those days, they may still do it. They throw down the sideline interview and they pipe it through the stadium speakers. So the crowd is reacting as, as I'm asking the questions to Mo and it's sort of low hanging fruit to get the crowd to react, but it's just a great thrill and adrenaline rush uh, to, to experience that as a 25 year old. That was when Jimmy Williams was the manager and Jason Veritek had just been traded with Derek Lowe to the team. And the, the new big star in town was Pedro Martinez. And to see how the ballpark filled up, particularly with the Dominican fans from the Boston area with great energy in the building. And that was really before the Sox went on their run, you know, in the early in 2003, 2004, and, and ever since. So the teams weren't necessarily the best teams, but to be in that environment and learn from people um, that had been seasoned pros for years was really valuable. But I always say this at the same time, I, I didn't see it as um, any less satisfying or gratifying. I didn't certainly didn't view it as a demotion to get entrenched in Connecticut sports and put a lot of eggs uh, with my former colleague, Joe Zone, in, in the high school sports basket, which of course I'm invested in today with the CIAC. I, there's something to be said for the access you get with smaller colleges or high school teams, their willingness to embrace you when you come to a practice, to put on the wireless microphone for you, to sort of sort of share stories that you just can't get. And I traveled with the Patriots for a couple of years, and I was with Fox Sports New England, which is now Comcast Sportsnet. Which what is it? Is it, is it Comcast? Yeah, this guy I can't keep up. But it's uh, it's you know, it's NBC Sports Boston nowadays, but it was it was Comcast for a beat. Um, and I traveled with the Patriots. This is early on in the Belichick years. This is where the first Super Bowl win. And while that there is an adrenaline rush to be at these big events, you know, it's you and 15 other cameras and, and 20 other beat reporters. So it's, it's really hard to get uh, dis- do distinctive work on the television side with it, in that environment. So I really enjoy the local coverage and uh, telling a good story. It doesn't matter if the athlete's a high school athlete or a pro athlete. Yeah, looking at the sports media scene, you know, from when you started back there in the late 90s to, to where you see things today, how do you think the, the market and the business has changed, uh, you know, over the past 20 plus years? Well, it's it's certainly changed. There's no question about that. Uh, in terms of local television sports, I think, sadly, it, it's been marginalized to a degree. Uh, most, uh, you look at the four TV stations in the state, you know, uh, Channel 8, 33, and then Fox 61. And um, they all have, you know, basically two, two and a half person departments. The, the days of three person departments, four person departments with a full time producer so that the on air talent could really focus on their delivery and their writing. Those days are gone. And they're, they're asking people to sort of do more with less, like a lot of businesses. Uh, that was the case for me in my final few years at Channel 3, where I was shooting all my own video. And uh, the, the sports departments aren't getting the support they used to. And I have a feeling it's going to be it's going to be even leaner, you know, another three to five years. Um, like you've seen at Channel 3 uh, since I left Channel 3, that you, there's not a reliable time for a sports cast on Channel 3. They don't do sports at six o'clock on weeknights anymore. And with the new news director, they've typically done it at 11. But sometimes there's no sports anchor at 11 on weeknights. And I think that's something you'll see more of a trend for. Certainly the, the stations are looking to pay their on-air talent less and it's harder to make a living and it's driven some good people out of the business. And beyond that, from a wider perspective, um, I would, my advice to young people would certainly to be to just diversify your skill set, be willing to, to certainly shoot your own video, have editing skills, have podcasting skills, certainly have the social media skills because that's valued so much by the news managers nowadays. And 
sometimes that that rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, that that seems to be valued a lot more than a well done newscast or sportscast. You know, have you have you engaged on social media with the audience, and that's really prioritized. And that's not necessarily something that I always you know put my energy into. So that's something to be aware of. Though someone coming into business, you've got to have these these skill sets that are certainly different than uh, what I learned at Newhouse School back in the early nineties. Yeah. So talking about the shift of the business there, uh, moving to a different topic, but but a similar type of question here. How do you see the Connecticut sports scene? And how how has that changed from when you started? Uh, you know, to where it is today? Because you know, when you started, I think you know, UConn men's basketball was really just starting to take off. Um, you know, the, the state's changed a bit, the, the sports scene here. What, how, how have you seen it change? Well, I've seen all the, in terms of the television, the broadcast stations, I've seen all of them. And I think they kind of follow the lead that was set at FSB. But I think a lot of them now, including the great job that's done by uh, Noah Finns and Mark Robbins with CT Sports Now, that's a nightly half-hour show. I think there's a lot more emphasis put on, you know, being relevant and viable and that doesn't mean just kind of sitting in the sports department and waiting for the viewers to tune in for the Yankees and the Red Sox silence at 11:25 because people are getting those popping up in their phones. The minute there's a Mookie Betts home run, it's, it's it's available in the palm of your hand five minutes later. So you have to distinguish yourself with local coverage, and I think that's been a positive. There's great high school coverage across the state on the TV side, and then a an entity like Game Time CT uh, on the digital side with Sean Patrick uh, Boley and Pete Baguaga. They're doing tremendous work. So I think in that way, it's improved. But at the same time, what you see less of, it used to be a no question about it. Every UConn basketball game, WFSB would send a camera crew. In fact, they traveled with UConn, for, uh, for the men, that is, for away games for a period of time. Every Big East away game back in the glory days of the Big East, they, they travel with the team. That's all changed. Now it's, it's largely the highlights coming off um, recording it off of uh, whatever broadcast network has the game. There's not the regular coverage. Um, in terms of the TV cameras at the post-game press conferences. And um, on the print side, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things have been scaled back. I think if you talk to some of the people at the Hartford Car, they're, they're trying to do more with less and just trying to find their niche and stay relevant. And it's, uh, it's, a lean, uh, it's a lean situation for a lot of operations. And I think the public would be surprised if they knew how many hours people are putting in to, to put out the product. It, it, it's, it's not always a business that's conducive to a great life outside of work. You have to find that balance. And it, it can be hard because managers are asking so much of their staff now. Yeah. So before we get on to, to what you've been doing recently for the CIAC, um, I want to get you out on, on one other question about your time covering sports over at WFSB. Is there a story or two that, that you had uh, that you did during your time there that really stuck out to you as you know the most memorable events or stories you covered there? Well, I'd say I, I feel fortunate to be, I mean, I, I'll say give really two answers. I feel fortunate to have been, been working at Channel 3 in, right around 2004 because at that time, a lot of great things were happening. I think it was the first year that both the men and the women won the title in the same year, the UConn basketball programs. And I was fortunate to be at the, in San Antonio for UConn's uh, national championship victory. Uh, that's a great thrill that I'll always remember. And at the same time, the Patriots were, were, were on the scene with their Super Bowl runs, and I got to ca- cover the Carolina Super Bowl. I was in a wardrobe malfunction Super Bowl um, down in uh, Houston. And the Red Sox, of course, were winning their, their first uh, championships in 1918. And Dan Orlovsky was leading UConn to a bowl game. Can you imagine that? UConn in a bowl game, the Motor City Bowl. So that's a year that stands out. 
But above that, I'm just really proud of the high school coverage and what we established at Channel 3. And one story that I'll mention, and it happened in the final few months that I was there in the, the fall of 2016. I, I'm one of these guys that writes down all these sticky notes all over his desk about look into this story, check on this in a couple months. I read any just a readaholic and I, I file things away. And I remember reading about a student at Stafford High School who was dealing with a very rare skin disease. Uh, that it's called the butterfly boy disease. The skin is so sensitive. If you touch it, it it's like a butterfly's wing and it, it can disintegrate. And he was a senior at Stafford high school and he was going to every football game uh, to support the team. And that happened to coincide with the first season that Stafford was going to make the, the state football playoffs in its history as a school. And it all sort of came together. And I had a chance to document the struggles that Johnny G and Frito, the, the senior was going through and his, he, the genuine best friend he had, they were, they were best friends, a linebacker on the team, uh, and what it meant for, to both of them to have that friendship. And uh, it sounds, seems like a cop-out to choose that one. You know, it was at the end of my Channel 3 run, but that's one that I know got some recognition, and it, uh, it really stood out to me because the, the stories that I like best are the human interest stories that I, if the viewer or the reader can just sort of, they don't have to be a big sports fan. It's not deep in X's and O's. It's sort of a human interest story. It happens to have characters that are athletes or coaches that people can relate. They've been through some sort of struggle. They've dealt with some sort of loss or grief. And they can relate to the characters and they can appreciate the story. Yeah, so some of those human interest stories uh, you know, have given into what you've been doing now for, for CIAC. So why don't you, you tell us a little bit about your work you've been doing there in the, in the recent documentary series that uh, you, you helped put together. Well, thanks for asking. Yeah, that, that's taken up a lot of time in the last couple of months. I'll, I'll take I'll go one step back to start. The CIAC um, expressed interest in bringing me in because in 2021, which is under two years from now, in the spring of 2021, the organization will mark uh, its centennial, 100 years governing you know, and running high school sports in Connecticut. So over the next 20 months or so, you'll see a lot of things that I produce related to celebrating 100 years of high school sports some of the interesting historical tidbits, the great teams, the great stories, the trend-setting things that have happened in Connecticut, including things related to girls' opportunities in Title IX and unified sports, which Connecticut has been a front-runner for, leading the way nationally and providing opportunities uh, in unified sports. But most recently in the winter, um, as I sort of just get my feet under me, I've been with the CAC since October, I decided during the winter postseason to, to track one storyline, whether it was a team or an individual, in each of the seven CIAC-sponsored winter sports. Um, so, of course, girls and boys basketball and hockey and wrestling and swimming, uh, boys swimming, gymnastics and track. And I chose a female uh, track athlete because there's you know, boys and girls indoor. But seven storylines and tracked them through. A couple of them went on to win state titles. Others had sort of disappointing twists or fell short of their goals. A couple had injuries. So it was just kind of following as it happened. I always say sports is the greatest reality show, even at the high school level, because you, ju- you just don't, it's not scripted. You don't know what's going to happen. And to share the, the, the stories of those athletes, uh, the, the, the sacrifices they had to make to accomplish what they did and, and uh, the support they got from their schools and their families uh, and to track their successes uh, was really rewarding. And it came together in a, in a documentary that runs about 45 minutes, but with the commercials that fills up an hour and it, debuted a couple Sundays ago on, on Fox 61 and CW20 and got a nice reaction. And again, for me, the emphasis isn't really about you know, what, what the free throw percentage of the winning team was. It's about what are the backstories and the storylines, what are motivating these kids and these coaches. Yeah, one thing I found interesting about this series is 
and, and I think it goes back to some of what you talked about earlier about some of the lack of coverage we have in sports here in the state. You don't necessarily always get to hear from high school athletes. What's it like getting to interact with these students as, as you worked on the documentary? And uh, I have to imagine the, all of these uh, individuals you worked with had to be quite impressive, uh, both people and athletes. Well, you, you hit it right in the head there with the word impressive. I'm continually impressed with the young people that I meet. Um, because many times the, the athletes, for whatever reason, because typically they're more disciplined or they're, they're, they're better with time management, many times they're, the, they're star students as well, which is, which is equally impressive. And the motivations uh, for some of them are very different from town to town. Um, I, the, focusing on the girls' basketball team in, in Southbury is Pomparock High School. One of the, the storylines was the coach was coaching a year after his wife had been diagnosed with, with breast cancer. And, and now she was doing much better after a double mastectomy. But it, what did basketball mean to that family? And it was sort of their outlet to help heal in the way the team raised up, up, up the 40-year family. And then in the case of uh, the boys' basketball team, Innovation, a school out of New Britain that draws kids from really all around Greater Hartford, a couple of the players playing in memory of lost loved ones, the, the star three-point shooter playing in the memory of his grandmother and the uh, the star point guard or the starting point guard playing in memory of his mom who passed away in eighth grade. So it's always interesting to examine the motivations of these young people and get them to open up and share about that. I mean, I hold no expectations that a 16, 17, 18 year old should be comfortable speaking on camera to some person they've just met, who, you know, shows up to interview them. But the beauty is when you can go back on these stories and this is what, because of deadlines, local news doesn't always permit when you can go back and visit these kids a second, third, fourth time, or like the six or seven times that I covered the innovation boys basketball team and their run to a, a D5 state championship at Mohegan Sun this year, they become more comfortable with you. They share more and it ultimately makes for, for better storytelling. Um, and uh, it, and they're, they're always, they always love, they're very receptive to the coverage, but the real gauge is, is someone not connected to that team or that story can they relate to the story? Do they like it? Will they click on it? Will they watch it? Does it engage them? And that's really the litmus test. Yeah. And, and I know you talked about it uh, premiering a couple of weeks ago over on uh, Fox 61 and CW20. Is there a place people go now to check it out if they wanted to take a look at it? Well, great question. What I've been doing the last every couple of days is I've been releasing sort of the way the documentary was. It had the seven stories, but they were told over the course of 45 minutes. In other words, you may get introduced to the the hockey story, which was the Battle of Wallingford, Lyman Hall and Sheehan. You may see part one of that right off the top and then 12 minutes later see part two and then 20 minutes later see the third part. What I've done more recently is put the parts all together in one. And like, for example, I posted today on the CIAC website the three hockey stories all together and it makes like a nine-minute story about their journey to Ingalls Rink. And I've slowly been posting those on social media. We'll continue to do that. And then about another week or so, we'll post the whole documentary up at CIACsports.org uh, for people to check out. And it'll live there. And I, I'd be glad if anybody had time and wanted to check it out. It's, 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 uh, and now we're through, of course, the spring championships, but this is back in the winter. And there's some really good storylines. Yeah, absolutely. John, so if people want to uh, stay in touch and uh, follow you on social media, where's the best way they could, uh, they could stay in touch with you? Sure. Twitter's the way to do it with the handle at John Holt, John with an H at John Holt TV on Twitter. And uh, it's always nice to hear from uh, people that uh, I, I made connections with at channel three. It's nice to be back in the high school mix, just to reintroduce myself to the, the coaches and the ADs and all the great people behind high school sports in Connecticut. And uh, even to this day, I'll run into some people uh, 
And they'll say, oh, I like seeing you on TV. And I'm like, well, I haven't been on in a couple of years, but I appreciate that you remember me. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a nice feeling. And I certainly enjoyed my time at Channel 3. It's, it's a great adrenaline rush to do live TV. And, you know, as I say, to be able to cover sports for a living, it feels like you're running like this vocational scam. <laughs> They're giving you a paycheck to be around sports. It comes with some nights and weekends and long hours. But it's a great feeling when you can find a work that you really enjoy. And that's certainly been the case for me over, over 25 years since graduating from Syracuse. Yeah, absolutely. John, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate uh, you taking the time and hope everyone gets a chance to give you a follow and uh, check out uh, check out the documentary. So, John, thanks so yeah. much. Yeah, Jared, thank you. It was nice to get a DM from you, and I certainly have been uh, listening from afar, and uh, you're doing a nice job with this, so keep up the good work on your end. Awesome. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod, the host at Jared Kotler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.